This is the AV Podcast Games Edition. Hello and welcome to the AV Podcast Gaming Edition for the month of September. Where's the year gone, fellas? Scary. Uh, I'm Steve Hill, your host, and joining me this month is Mark Botwright. Hello, Mark. Evening, Steve. Steve Carter. Hello, Steve. Evening, Steve. And we welcome back Leon Matthews. Hello, Leon. Good to be back. Let's jump straight into the news. Uh, This month, big announcements with Metal Gear. Steve, have you got the inside story on this one? Yeah, um, we've actually been treated by uh, Hideo Kojima to a new trailer for the game uh, Ground Zeroes. Um, Pretty extensive YouTube clip that's available available on the net. I wasn't expecting less from Kojima, really. A a long sort of trailer for what looks like a pretty giant game. Um, you know, it's it looks pretty flash. It's you know, it looks pretty slick, and as Leon said earlier, it looks a bit shiny, shiny. Um, the couple of features that are noteworthy, he's actually said the game's going to be open world, which is quite a quite a big deal for the Metal Gear series because it will be the first you know sort of up fully open world game, um, saying you can you know take vehicles and call in helicopters to support you and riding them and stuff like that. And it's it's actually looking like it's going to be. A really, really good game. I mean, I'm a sort of fan of the series. I like played Metal Gear Solid Four. The only question is, will it actually release on PS3 or will it be a future release of the next generation? That's a, a massive debate at the moment. Um, but it look actually looks pretty stunning. The visuals on it are pretty top notch. To be fair, that was the first thing I wanted wanted to ask you. So, uh, no information about what platform it's going to be on, and or whether or not it's even an, a next gen game. No, the, I think. If I'm right, I'm thinking the game's actually running on a very high-powered PC at the moment. The actual build that it's they've shown, it's not actually on the PS3 system. Whether that means it'll actually be able to run on the PS3, or whether it's just if you want it to look that good, you know, it'll it'll be on the next generation. But it's it's something that's up for a bit of debate at the moment. Game looks fantastic. I, I must admit, I haven't been a fan of the series in in the recent outings, and I haven't bothered with uh, either either of the two last games that were released. But this this one looks interesting, a bit more um, grander in its ambitions and scale. Yeah, I mean, Kojima's not one to do things by half, as you know. He's always, you know, a thing on do it. If you're going to do things, do it, you know, fully and do it massively. And it's it looks set to be, you know, from my perspective, it looks like it's set to be the pop probably the best and the most perfect Metal Gear there's going to be. I mean, you say perfect, every game that he releases is pretty much perfect, but this looks like, you know, an open world Metal Gear Solid is pretty much, you know, it'll be a breath of fresh air to the series, I think, with what it, what it needs after after 4. I think the key question is how it's going to deal with the new open world setting. Um, we've got this great shot in the, in the trailer of Snake being able to commandeer vehicles and he can call in a helicopter but the question is how well that will translate to the traditional Metal Gear Solid experience I mean Kojima traditionally you know he's a storyteller at heart you know we know that from all of the the cutscenes that he puts in place Um, and so he likes to kind of funnel us in a given direction and get us playing the game and so therefore everything has a certain order to it in that kind of title um it, it's you know you could say fairly linear in its approach all of a sudden being able to to you know go to this open world where you can flip between different missions or, or choose to go and take on a different stage i just wonder if that might slightly be detracting from the core experience of what people expect from a stealth title which is is pushing you into a, a scenario 
putting you in a, in a tight spot where you have to evade capture and basically the only way is forward you can't just decide to to call up a helicopter and then just fly away so is it not stealth action at all is it not is it a completely different type of game or no it it's still very much a stealth title i mean it, it metal gear solid is always going to be that but it's just now you can you can commandeer vehicles you know you can you can call upon a helicopter and Kojima makes the point in in the video, which has to be said, looks absolutely stunning. I mean, um, it's it's going to be the first game using this new Fox engine um, from Kojima Productions, and it it looks brilliant. You know, very very cinematic as you'd expect. Um, but Kojima points out that everything in the distance um, is, is is a place that you can go to. You know, this huge kind of camp facility, you can approach it from any direction. Um, and so therefore that, that seems to open up a lot of uh, kind of new possibilities for you but on the flip side if you've always got this kind of get out of jail free card of I will call up a helicopter or I will decide well I, I don't really want to carry on with this level at this time I, I'll go somewhere else you know does that not slightly kind of break the tension I mean it, Metal Gear Solid was always this one man versus an army you had to you had to find your way through you had to you had to work out exactly the different guard routines, and you, you weren't really given a choice. The trailer looks eerily, eerily serious to me. I mean, I don't really play Metal Gear massively, but what I know of it, it's quite quirky. You know, like I say, hiding in boxes and exclamation marks over people's heads and weird noises and stuff. And the trailer, God, it's 11 minutes long. I mean, really, does the guy just like being a stereotype? <laughs> like, <laughs> seriously, 11 minutes long for a trailer, and I don't know. Um, each to their own. It looks okay, but I don't know. Like you say, if it's it's losing the heart of the series, is it really still Meta Gear, or could he just make another game and put a new name on it? Now? Sorry, but I, I find it funny that it's it's being billed everywhere that's reporting it as this you know eleven minute or ten minute or fourteen minute um, gameplay footage of um, Metal Gear Solid. When you know, really, it, it's there's about. I don't know about nine minutes of of cutscene of very cinematic rainy shots, and then as soon as you know they start playing the game, you you go down a hill, get in a jeep, and then you say, right, I'm getting out of here. Usual ratio then of gameplay to a trailer that will be in the game. Then yeah, it's probably actual part of the game. You go down the hill, then that's that. Oh yeah, and the one extra thing that they have um, said is that there will be a, a day night cycle now. So you know that that's something new for the series, and it's. It'll perhaps tie in with the open world setting in that you can go back between different stages now and choose when you want to to take on, um, you know, infiltration tasks and the like uh, based on how, say, guard routines might change based on on the day-night cycle. And uh, speaking of Metal Gear aping Hollywood, they have actually announced there there will be a Metal Gear movie. Is that right, Mark? Yes, uh, it's it's definitely a go now. Um, Metal Gear Solid movie, Columbia, who are owned by Sony, um, have finally taken it on, and they are going to hopefully be dragging this out of um, will it, won't it development hell. And uh, producer Avi Arad, who's uh, worked on various Marvel adaptations before, will be hopefully driving this one forward, and we'll we'll finally get the. The big budget, big screen outing for Solid Snake that everyone really wants. Um, but I suppose the only the only question then is that, given the amount of cutscenes and the amount of FMV that we've had previously, and the sheer amount of character exposition that we, you know, Kojima likes, uh, do we really need it? 
it'd be quite funny if they just made it 90 minutes of gameplay footage and one minute of actual movie. <laughs> That's the best idea I've ever heard. That's <laughs> so great. Uh, and next up, we've got Ubisoft DRM being removed. Bit of a triumph here for uh, for the gamer. Ubisoft have had DRM uh, always online uh, limitations to their games for the past few years, and uh, it's been a real problem for some PC gamers. Leon, you heard much about this? I've heard about it, yeah. I mean, I, I can understand people's frustrations and stuff because not everyone's always online, and I uh, heard that there was issues with when you change hardware in your machine and it just seems like Ubisoft are being a little bit stick, stuck in the mud about it sort of thing really so it's good that they've kind of relented and uh, have they implemented something new in its place or have they just said it's a free-for-all now? Or? Well, what, what will happen now is you'll still have to have that first online activation but once that's done you're free to play it on your machine irrespective of your online connectivity which uh, I suppose is is you know is, is the kind of best world scenario for both parties personally as i said off air before we started i don't really about this it's something that hasn't bothered me at all in the long run mainly because i always have an internet connection i can't imagine a time where we don't have one at the house and i suppose the only time it would ever happen is if there's an outage in the local area which could of course happen i mean that that happens all the time to people but you know as a household here we value our connectivity above all else we um are not fussed about sky tv or or, or any other kind of um thing like that as long as we've got our internet connection we're, we're happy here so it wasn't something that ever really felt like it would affect me but i can totally understand and see why um why some circles were were pissed off about it and i suppose this is a a little victory for them yeah it's the principle of the thing i think really um like you say, you know, it's something that didn't need to be there, and it, it does affect people. For me as well, you know, an internet connection is pretty much a given. Um, if my internet connection doesn't work, I'm not going to be caring about the Ubisoft games not playing. I'm going to be pulling my hair about <laughs> about other things that are, that are happening. My entire life is shut down at that point. Exactly. So, you know, what my wife Ubisoft do without games. Facebook. Exactly. So um, I don't want to even imagine a world <laughs> where my wife doesn't have Facebook. It, it's not that I, big a deal, but yeah. I, I think that the biggest thing that's come out of this whole um uh episode is is really the the massive own goal uh in the pr stakes that it's been for ubisoft and there's someone you know now that really has had their reputation um dragged dragged through it in the eyes of gamers and i'm not sure whether they'll ever really get it back i mean they came out with some crazy ridiculous statistics about 95 percent of all pc gamers being pirates where and how they could have plucked these statistics um, and actually put them out there with a straight face is, is beyond me. It's just actually prove crazy, the statistics, crazy though, did they, they don't, they don't think they provided them. I think they just said them. Yeah, exactly. It's just, you know, completely bonkers. And whoever's in charge of marketing and PR over there, um, I'm, I'm surprised they've still got a job because it, it's, just, it's just crazy. You know, it's ridiculous to, to say that um, that kind of percentage is, is accurate. It's just not true. How, how high do you think the percentage is out of interest? You know what? Well, <laughs> it's a loaded question. Listen, it is a loaded question. I would say pretty much anyone with an internet connection at some time, whether wittingly or unwittingly, has pirated something or infringed on copyright with something. Um, I think in the age of Steam, I think PC gamers now are probably... Um, 
spending more money than they ever have for that very reason because it's so accessible and through it because it's through this this great um, reliable service so i piracy is everywhere uh i i don't think pc gaming is something which is uh so badly affected by it that it's no longer profitable for anyone that's in the marketplace i think everyone who's putting out good games will continue to make good money and the 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 community that is there will continue to support the developers and the distributors that um who 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 they enjoy their products it's as simple as that really Uh, agreed oh definitely and and the mad thing about the more draconian uh drm measures is that in fact they probably in fact push a certain certain amount of people towards piracy i mean i remember when when bioshock came out and there was lots of talk from PC gamers, people who just couldn't get the game to work and were having great troubles, and yet those who who you know got codes and got things from nefarious websites and the like, they were happily playing away. You know, kind of days before release with hooky copies, and you know, you just you can't kind of alienate your your core customers like that. That kind of thing just can't be allowed to happen. Yeah, it is all about how you deal with it. Like you say, the, the internet community is is such that if if you come out like Ubisoft did and put in like massive draconian measures to to try and get against it, people will go out there and do it just to to be in your face about it, sort of thing. So, I think there's other ways they could do it, and hopefully they'll just come up with a better way, really. And uh, as we alluded to earlier, I mean, you know, just purely in the PR stakes. It is the the internet community. There ain't no backlash like a, an internet backlash. That is for sure. And you know, once you've lost your reputation online, or once you know, the odd meme goes out about uh, about you. You know, it's, it's it's hard to ever get that back. I mean, look at the power of sites like Reddit have now. I mean, Reddit is just really there's so much trash on there. But even even Barack Obama was uh, doing an Ask Me Anything session on there because they they acknowledge that you know this is the new media this is the way that so many people get their news and and uh and and discuss about current affairs so you know it, I, i'm glad they've made the right decision and uh, i think it's um it's for the benefit of all involved that this decision has been made and as we move from triumph some sad news that sony liverpool has uh, closed its doors mark what's the info on this one Oh yeah, a bit of an odd one really. This news kind of seemed to come out in dribs and drabs. Um, it, it started off with talk that Sony had just pulled the plug. Then Sony kind of said no, um, you know, only a select few would be gone. And then ultimately, yes, uh, Sony Liverpool, formerly Cygnosis, has basically um, basically been canned. Um, it, it's it's a crying shame really. Um, you know they they've said that there will be redundancies, but hopefully most of the the staff will be rehoused in other in other development capacities. Um, it's it's really a shame because it, it was a studio that helped drag gaming out of the bedroom and into the living room. There with Wipeout, it had a stunning soundtrack. It was one of those uh, futuristic games that that you know managed to to catch the the attention of everyone and, and make gaming quite acceptable to the masses. It, it made it seem like a, a mainstream um, pastime by, by you know, people had PlayStations in clubs and the like. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's it's a pity that the studio has gone and, it, you know, Wipeout will re- remain a milestone in, in gaming history. But I suppose the 
Perhaps they hadn't done much recently. Wipeout will, however, remain uh, just a, an absolutely classic sci-fi or sky-fi <laughs> racer. I, I made out one one word in that whole thing, and that was uh, the accurate pronunciation of sky-fi. Sky <laughs> sky <laughs> yeah, what, what what have they done in recent years, though? That's the thing I've been struggling with. I mean, is 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 Wipeout really enough for them to dine out on all this time? Uh, and, and they they kind of reached the end of what they could do with Wipeout, to be honest. I mean, they did, what was it, Wipeout HD, and, and for me, um, HD was good. And then, wasn't there one on the Vita? And I think they'd, yeah, they'd have pretty much just reached the pinnacle of, of what Wipeout could be, I think. Um, and I don't know whether, is it a case of just, I, don't, I feel like they should have just made something new, you know, just tried something else other than Wipeout, but maybe they just decided to fold it instead thing for me about Wipeout was that it was such a perfect way to show off your system at a time when, you know, HD video and surround sound was all coming, you know, to a point where it was accessible and affordable for people. And to me, I feel like that was in part a success. I mean, I've never been a great fan of racer games anyway, and I suppose the um, the futuristic racers are probably more what appeals to me than, than any of the other type of games in that genre. Um so maybe you know maybe uh, there was there was more of a racing following for it but it just seemed like now it's it's it has nothing else new to offer you see you know if you don't if you don't have that hd and surround sound um edge then you kind of take it away and it's just an, just another game really so yeah they needed to innovate they needed to do something different and and sadly that didn't that didn't arrive they should have made a new g police that's what they should have made well, it seems that looking here, I mean, when there were Cygnosis, um, they, they made quite a few games, um, and, the, and they were varied. And then they got bought by Sony, and they turned into the F1 and Wipeout machine. Mm. And have essentially, it, it looks like just all the creativity was just drained out of them. Since 2001, they've made seven, eight F1 games and six Wipeout games. Yeah. So I, I can kind of see why everyone probably just went, oh, we're, we're done here. You know, we're just creatively bankrupt, it sounds like. I mean, I don't want no, no one wants anyone to lose their jobs and stuff, but if, if they needed to, to fold it and just draw a line under it so that they could go and do something a bit more interesting, then it could only be a good thing, maybe. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully it just means that some creative and talented people end up on, on new projects at new companies and, and existing companies. So, um, yeah, wish best of luck to them all. Indeed. On Live uh, seems to have gone through uh, a bit of a moment uh, in the past couple of weeks. Leon, what's the story here, and uh, has the has the service survived a very bumpy ride? Yeah, it was it was kind of strange the way it broke as well. I mean, um, I, there was no really news leading up to it that On Live was on dodgy ground. I mean, you haven't really heard a lot from them, but it didn't really seem like they weren't doing too very well. But then. We started to hear reports of people being laid off and whatnot, and it all dribbled out. And essentially, um, they've had to lay off 50% of the staff. Um, they have subsequently been bought by a venture investment company who have formed a new business and transferred the assets and some of the staff over. Um, and the service, thankfully, is still up and running, and there wasn't any effect for end users. Um, but yeah, online, not in a very healthy state. And I think they're looking to sort of restructure and try and survive. Can anyone on this panel say that they're surprised by this no not surprised but i'm kind of disappointed it's kind of it seems like the future i, um, I agree i'm i'm disappointed and you know it, i 
in many ways, I think it's just before its time. I think the idea is genius. I think it's genius. The, the fact that you could play a game anywhere on any kind of system that just needs to be powerful enough to host that connection. It, it's a very, very clever idea, but it's just not really been marketed at the right user groups, I don't think. Hotels and airplanes, it's kind of like the perfect place for it. But in the home, I just... I just don't see the need. It, I don't think it's one. been marketed at all. Sorry, Steve, go no. ahead. No, I was going to say it'd be a good one for like, I mean, you know, we know you hate the game shops, the game retail, Steve, but it'd be a good one to put in, you know, in the game shops, you know, for people to, you know, <laughs> go out there and taste games and experience games. It'd be just something, you know, that's... Like I, don't, I don't hate game, for the record. I don't hate game at all. I just you feel do. it's a bit of a, a, bit of a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, but if, if that's the sort of thing that they could do in the future, you know, if, you know... Like we say, it's just the wrong audience. It just came out at the wrong time, a bit before its time. I mean, I'm the one that lolled onto, you know, my physical copies of my games until as long as I can. I mean, this is going to be the future eventually. Everything's going to be digital, like everything's everything's going. But I think if you know, given the next generation of consoles, I think this might have actually succeeded a bit well, more. Well, I, I went along to Eurogamer last year with um, another member of the reviews team, Ben Ben Ingber, and uh, w- we were both in agreement that OnLive had stolen the show last year. They were out in force, they had flown over a ton of staff from the States, and they were giving away the OnLive micro console by the thousands. They just were dishing them out constantly the whole time we were there, and we, we both got a micro console each, and I even ended up doing a video review for for the forums. Really? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I wouldn't have been able to use it anyway. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but uh, at, the, at the time, you know, it seemed like a really exciting service, and all the people that were there that we spoke to from online were really excited about it, and and seemed to have complete faith in in the product that they were pushing out there. The fact that you know they were playing, you could play games that were available on other platforms it, it it makes sense as a service and i really hope now that the new owner can see the error of the their ways before and, and try and push it in the right direction that it needs to be and they don't need to be too ambitious they don't need to try and aim to be in every home and you know not the xbox off its perch that's just not going to happen they need to look at the areas where um it can really thrive and as i say if if someone said to me, "Will you pay twenty quid to have access to a complete catalogue during this long haul transatlantic flight?" I'd absolutely go for it. I think Steve hit it on the head. Um, when they're, they're aiming it at the wrong people on live, I didn't see any adverts like on like TV and in, in papers or anything like that. The only place you hear about on live is on gaming websites. It's on you know where where people who are gamers are going to look. But people who are gamers don't want to use on live. I have my console. I like my consoles. I've been gaming on a physical console for God knows how long. I'm not going to switch to some sort of online majiggity just because you say that it's the future. I'm going to keep my console as I know it until I'm forced to do otherwise. Other people outside of the gamers who read the websites, they might be inclined, like you say, people who go to hotels or people who subscribe to Netflix and stuff like that, because they've got all their stuff in the cloud, they might be more inclined to do it. So I think that's where they need to be aiming it. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? If uh, if Netflix bought out OnLive and then you could play OnLive games via your Xbox. That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? I really thought Microsoft would buy them out, to be honest. It makes it makes sense for someone like After that to buy them. Sony bought 
Gaikai or Gakai, whatever you call it. Yeah. Yes, we'll get yeah, into another pronunciation debate. Yeah, good point. <laughs> Just it, it, the idea that you could play something on your Windows Phone 7 device and then carry on in full resolution, uh, full surround sound, yada, 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 on your console when you get back home. Now that That's interesting to me. Mm. Is it practical though? Do, would you really go from playing a game like Assassin's Creed on your phone and then go to your TV? Would you play Assassin's Creed on your phone? No, probably not. But the idea would be enough for me to probably go and spend a couple of hundred quid on hardware to do it. Yeah, fair enough. You know, and businesses have been built on that, built True. on the idea that you need something you don't really actually need. Mm. But then maybe that was on life's problem in the first place. Yeah, it's not essential, is it really? It's a good idea, but. I don't want to try it. It's a good idea. It's a great idea. I don't want it to die. I just don't really know the best place for it either. Yeah, just put it away for a bit, cook it, mature it a little bit more, and bring it back in like five years. Wheel it out again. So this brings us to the uh, time of the month where we discuss what everyone's been playing and what reviews we can expect to see in the coming weeks. Uh, Steve, what have you been up to this week for the forum? Um, uh, just recently I've got through uh, Damage Incorporated, a World War Two fighter shooter game um, that we've got through. I'm playing that at the moment. That's that review will that be coming this week? Um, possibly the what platform's that week. on? What's that, sorry? What platform is that on? It's on the 360, sorry. I'm reviewing that on the 360. Great. Is it Tour de France or uh, somewhere a little bit more exciting? Uh, it's a little bit better than Tour de France, but not not much at this moment in time unless it does something in the next you know couple of hours that really makes up for it it's the, the good thing is it actually it, i'm actually reviewing it with the um the collector's edition with the flight stick and the stick is actually quite amazing um the actual build quality and the the stick is amazing the game unfortunately the game was made after the stick the the game was made for the stick not the other way around Right. So, unfortunately, a lot of effort's been put into the stick, but not. And what would that come bundled with the game, or vice versa? Or? It's, it's in the collector's edition of the game. Um, you can get that to the standard edition of the game on its own. You can use a stick if you've got one for your Xbox if you've already bought one. But this is the special edition one that comes in about I think it's about sixty sixty pounds I think ish. Gotcha. So, Price sticks are a, a, a funny thing, aren't they? Sometimes they seem like such a great idea, and I remember I spent. Uh, not masses of money. I think it was a. It was about forty quid I spent on a Hotus one, with the idea of playing uh, Battlefield Three and maybe some other games. I even got a few flight sims, and just after a couple of hours, I was just like, "Why am I doing this? This is really not my interest <laughs> at all." I mean, is it is it a big big marketplace that they're going to sell to, or is it such a niche thing that? It's really not going to gain much interest. It's, sadly, it's probably not actually going to get that many people buying it. I mean, the stick, if you sold it on the, on its own, you know, an unbranded one that wasn't associated with the game would probably sell quite well, but the actual, like, flight simulator and flight, you know, game genre is quite niche on the on the uh, consoles at the moment. There's only a few, like, uh, was it IL-2, Sturmovic and... Um, things like that. There's only like two or three that are worth mentioning. Fighter games, so it's well. It seems to be a dying genre on the on the PC as well now because mm. Microsoft, of course, killed um, uh, Flight Sim X, which was their new um, latest and greatest flight sim, and that that was only around for a few months before they killed the project completely. So, yeah, well, you know, if if the the hardware's made correctly and like you say, it felt like it was well built, then I think that goes a long way to making it usable. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's just it's just sad that the game doesn't really 
you know, sort of stand up to to the you know current generation standards. But you'll you'll probably read about that in the review that will come in the next week or so. Great. And then after that, you got anything else you're moving on to? Um, this month, Borderlands comes out, so we're waiting for that to review this month. Um, that's that's the next big game that I'll be uh, ploughing through. I can't wait to get my hands on that. Um, oh, you you managed to uh, wrestle that one from the other guys, did you? I did. Yeah, that's, I put I put dibs on that. That's one, a sore haven't. subject. <laughs> how does uh, how does it work? I'm sure I'm sure everyone from the forum is probably quite interested to know how you divvy up games and who gets what. It's a first person shooter. I did it. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> no, um, I've, I've actually started playing the first Borderlands. That's why I wasn't too bothered about this one because I I thought I could go ahead and play the first one first anyway. Um, the first one was a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of fun. I think it's twice a game if you co-op it with someone. Yeah I've, yeah, I've played a bit of it carp as well, but but yeah, we don't fight too much over them. We're, we're quite civilized. It's alright. I know that I'll have no chance of getting Assassin's Creed off one of these two next month. So you know what? But behind the shop talk here, but I really don't care. <laughs> like Ooh. Assassin's Creed has fallen off completely for me, but that's a whole different conversation. Uh, Leon, what's um, what you've been reviewing this month and uh, looking into? Oh, it's been a, a very good month. I mean, I love reviewing games, but this is this has been a brilliant month for me. Transformers: Fall of Cybertron. Couldn't have asked for a better one. Uh, yeah, I love it. After War for Cybertron last year, uh, Fall of Cybertron is a sequel. After they did a crappy movie tie-in last year, and uh, <laughs> it's 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 really good. Um, as I've put in the review, which should be live possibly when this is up I think in the next couple of days um, they seem to be made to do the movie tie-ins every other year and then they, they slip one of these in and this seems to be where they get their creative juices from you can tell just like the love that they pour into this thing because as you can probably tell I'm a huge Transformers fan um, not the Michael Bay horrific movies, but the no, the the, the our generation definitely. Yeah. I used to wake up every morning and uh, would be watching Transformers over my cornflakes. It was fantastic. Exactly, and, and if anybody else did that, then I mean, this will be right down your street. I mean, they literally quote lines wholesale from the movie, and and they use the the forms of the Transformers from Generation One so that they look like they used to, and it is it's kind of just a massive nostalgia fest in a way, but. In the sequel, they have actually sort of addressed all the problems from the last game, which was there was very little variety in it, and now they've got each character you play has a different ability. So the game is just it's just a roller coaster ride. It, it really is. It just doesn't stop. It's hit after hit for eight hours, um, and and if you're a fan of Transformers, it's something you have to play. If you're not, um, it, it's still a good game. It's still a good game, but you, you probably won't enjoy it as much. And uh, anything coming up that you can tell us about? Um, what else have I got coming up? See, I can't even remember now. Um, I've been toying with doing a review of Rock Band Blitz, but we'll, we'll see how that goes, because that's the, the Rock Band controller game which uses all of your DLC that you've downloaded. Um, that, that's quite a small one, so I might slip that in after Transformers, I think. Mark, what's been uh, on your gaming radar this month? Yeah, I've been playing New Super Mario Bros. 2 on the 3DS. Um, it's... It's very much one for the fans in many ways, or at least that's how it, you know, it should be built. Uh, you know, a two D Super Mario Brothers these days, you would assume, would be for, you know, the Nintendo faithful. But in fact, it's it's pushing very much for an accessible vibe. Um, it's it's more of a coin chase now. Everything's based around the hunt for coins, and that has a few a few effects on the gameplay overall. It's it's quite fast, it's quite fluid, um, but it also means it's actually 
pretty easy. It's pretty easy to, to blast through levels it, unless you're spending your time looking for more coins. And now, you know, the idea that, you know, just getting to 100 is nothing in this game. You know, you're, you're talking in the hundreds is, is easily attainable. Um, there are a few extras to collect, you know, large star coins and the like. Um, but yeah, it, it's all about racking up high scores now, which gives it this strangely almost sonic vibe in places, certainly in the early levels where you just won't feel as taxed. Now, that leads you to a point where you, you actually have a Mario game where there are legitimate criticisms. It seems strange that, you know, you're usually talking about them being almost attaining perfection. But here, there, you know, you could definitely make a decent argument that it's it's far more run-of-the-mill in in certain areas certainly in the earlier level designs um, it just doesn't reach the heights of previous you know the previous hallmarks of you know Shigeru Miyamoto's greatest games um, levels one to four will be pretty easy for most people just to just to blast through just to bowl through those those worlds um, but when you get to the later levels it's it's you know, you've got the classic Mario gameplay, split second timing, you know, there's a good bounce, there's a good rhythm to everything. Um, but still, it, it there are question marks over it. Um, as accessible as it is, as, as easy as it is, um, that will always draw in a new crowd. And Nintendo are great at drawing in a new crowd. However, um, for those who are used to or remember the old school NES days and those who... We're happily, you know, trying to collect as many one-ups on monochromatic Game Boy screens so that they could save up for the later levels so you'd have 99 lives. Uh, this might just alienate them somewhat. Yes, it seems strange to be hearing of a Mario game and uh, and flaws in the same sentence. Uh, do you think that's more a case of uh, of maybe you and, you, you know, what you look out for has maybe changed to move on? Or do you think they're kind of running out of ideas or, or taking their eye off the ball a bit? I think it's a bit of both, to be honest. I think uh, Nintendo know their crowd, and they're they're always changing things. That you know, they they make these little tweaks to their games, um, and they try to keep on drawing in a new audience. To um, so so you know, their audience are growing older and perhaps moving off to different games. So they're always trying to draw in that the younger crowd, the you know, appeal to that innocence of youth. Um, and also, I think that that games, how easy or how hard they are, is generally graded on a curve. Um, whatever's easier or harder than the norm is 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 what's defined as easy or hard. I mean, basically, if you look back at the games that we were playing on the things like the Commodore sixty four and and the Amiga and the like, um, virtually everything these days would have to be considered easy by that standard because you just don't have the same that same type of uh, level design that would be intended to kill you time and time again oh they were brutal brutal I, I i never used to finish games when i was a kid and that was partly maturity and, and, and partly down to the difficulty you would get up get to a point where it just it just was unplayable yeah i must have had boxes upon boxes of um, Commodore 64 games that i never even got close to finishing um i completed so few games back in those days but you know I, I think this is what Nintendo recognized this Nintendo recognized that gamers have changed and that's why this push for accessibility that's why the, the new Super Mario Brothers 2 it does feel like a different type of Mario game and um, 
whenever you review or critique such a game, you're always going to put greater emphasis on the flaws simply because of the fact that Mario games generally do so much right that the only thing you can really spend your time looking at and um, highlighting for people, because everyone knows what's good in a Mario game, are the little deviations. Um, and sometimes Nintendo do kind of like to try out these new ideas. Sometimes they get them right. Sometimes, you know, occasionally they might make a little bit of a misstep. Some people question in uh, Super Mario Sunshine on the GameCube, which this feels quite reminiscent of in that it's it's trying something slightly different. Um, and some people didn't necessarily like the water jetpack in that. I quite like that. I thought that was I thought it was good fun. That's the thing, though. I mean, some people loved it. Some people didn't necessarily care for it because they they'd gotten into a view of what should we say a Mario game should traditionally be all about. Um, you know, it it evolves. Those ideas evolve. Um, and this game, I mean, um, you know, it's the reviews up on the site right now. But I, you know, I won't hide the fact that I I really did rate it. Um, for all the criticisms, for all the problems that you could say there are, they're only really problems if you view the game as, should we say, a traditional Mario game. As If you look at the idea that you're in fact trying to get away from enemies at the same time as collecting coins. If you view it as a coin chase and as, as I say, a bit more of a kind of Sonic style game, as more of a, an accessible game where people can rack up high scores where you've got a few extra little bits and bobs to look about for in levels, it does hit those high notes. It, it really does, the later levels um, shine very much. Um, and it's, it's classic Mario. Once you've got the score, once you've got those kind of bright, vivid colours in your face, you, you realise that, you know, when it does it so well, no one else really gets close to that that level of gloss, that level of sheen where where the rhythm of the game just seems to to move along so well, where it's it's fluid, natural gameplay, um, and and some decent level design. The early levels, okay, you know, they are a bit, you know, for the kids. Um, and if you're well versed in Mario games, you'll probably turn your nose up at them. But at the same time, as an accessible game, as an accessible Mario game to get everyone interested in, um, you know, if you want more of a challenge, go for the coin chase. Try and rack up bigger scores because in that regards it, you know the game has to be seen as a, as a success um what any coming up for the the next month next up i'll probably be looking at little big planet for the vita um i'm looking forward to seeing how they try and put in some vita specific uh features how they're going to utilize the ample tech that is housed in that shiny little package um, it's a it's a guaranteed seller. I think it's it's a great game going into the the holiday season for drawing in that new crowd. People who've will be picking up a Vita and will be looking for something that perhaps they're slightly familiar with, but just want to see what kind of a a twist can get put on it with the touchscreen controls and the like. Um, we get to the uh, time of the podcast where we like to look at threads that have caught our eye this month um leon as usual you've dug us out some gems um one where we found some good conversation going on about games that people would like to see being remade yeah definitely uh mike k 1976 posted it up in two forums which we'll let him off for being as a cross-posting as that allowed 
but we'll let him off because they were good friends. Um, but yeah, he says he was a huge fan of retro gaming. He's played a fair few of the fan-made remakes of games linked from this forum, which I keep meaning to look at, actually. Um, but yeah, what games in your youth did you love and you think you would still play now if they were re-released with modern eye candy? Um, I'll chuck mine in that I, I said in there pretty quick, which was Road Rash. Uh, a couple other people agreed with me as well. There was someone in the PC what was your, section. What was your first gaming platform? Where, where, where did it all start for you? Uh, true. I, th- I think the first one where you could probably say that I really got obsessed with it was uh, Master System. Right. Definitely the Master System and Alex Kidd. I remember playing that because that was built into the system. Um, and playing that for just hours and hours and hours. Um, and then moving on to stuff like Michael Jackson's Moonwalker, weirdly, uh, and then um, Streets of Rage, Sonic, obviously. Yeah, uh, I was a Sega child, definitely a Sega child. See, I, my, my gaming started on a Spectrum. My, my granddad picked me up a Spectrum. I think it was a 48K. It was the one with the, um, the tape deck. Uh, built into the side of it, and we we we, we touched on uh, piracy earlier, and um, yeah, back back then piracy for uh, games was just like rid- ridiculously because it was as, as easy as copying a tape. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you could just go to any market and uh, and some shops uh, across the country and just find you know tables full of uh, pirated games but it, it just meant that you could have so many i dare say it's probably why i never completed any it's just because it was so easy to to get games and um yeah i think mine probably my earliest gaming memory on there was um horace goes skiing <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds amazing horace yeah. goes skiing yeah i'm gonna show i'll shove a, a youtube uh, clip in in the the podcast thread because um it was it, you know it was a skiing game but just on the bonkers premise that this weird little character horace would um would go skiing so uh that that, that was interesting and another game called um halloween which i think was called feud in some countries and you were basically a warlock and uh you had to go around collecting these herbs so you could um create potions and spells to defeat your evil twin brother i mean that, that, that sounds that, amazing again yeah, it, was, it was a very very cool game whether i'd want to ever see these games remade i don't know it'd be hard to make those though wouldn't it really the the cassette games with the, with the graphics and yeah it was crazy just even watching watching them load um was like it took 20 minutes to load a game and it would draw a kind of splash screen line by line and make the most horrendous sound as uh, as it loaded but anyway we 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 digress yeah i'm not sure what i'd want to see remade uh steve where where did you um start your game what platform did you start on and uh, anything anything you'd like to see remade um my earliest memories, like on the things like the, the Sega Mega Drive, the Master System, things like that. Um, like say, I, I remember playing Alec Kid on the on the Master System, Sonic on the Mega Drive, and things like that. Um, uh, what was it? Tailspin. I think that was a good one. Tailspin. But are they, I loved are they, that are game. these any any games you'd want to see? Want to see reignited, re- reimagined? Um, I don't think I think any game that was like from that sort of era. I think you'd have to leave alone because like I say with the graphics and and like the side scrolls would probably work well because Mario's translated quite well so anything that's like on that sort of plane but the only real thing like the PS1's like I mean everyone's begging for like the Final Fantasy 7 remake and things like that they're the they're the biggest ones and a few a few PS2 games out there that are that should be remade hopefully Sony will like 
listen to everyone's begging at some point, but there's none of the really retro, what you'd call retro games that I'd see see remade really. Mark, you're uh, you're of a similar age to myself. What what, what was your start in gaming, and um, any of those games you'd like to see remade? Yeah, for me, it was the Commodore sixty four um, with the tape deck. Um, it still brings back good memories when I hear the screech of a tape loading. Um, it, it, I've been bugging my parents for ages to buy me some kind of a computer, and it came with just a huge box of tapes. The guy who was selling it just had hundreds upon hundreds. Uh, sadly, most of them yeah, probably were pirated, um, but that just opened up a whole new world for me. Um, one that I do particularly remember playing again and again was a title called Whizball, which was a classic kind of bouncing sprite, um, you know, shoot things, collect things, go down tunnels, the levels change, you know, all of a sudden the enemies get harder. Um, it, it was just one of those games that almost seemed to instill this strange kind of conditioning where you just had to have one more go and it was so addictive. But I, I think in the thread, you know, Endless Waves makes the point most old games should stay in the past. Game players come a long way. I, I, I don't know if I necessarily agree that game players come a long way, but I, I certainly think that gamers have, have changed massively um, now that we expect to finish games. Um, I don't know if I just continue playing it again and again. Um However, if if it came out cheap on on Android or something, I'd I'd be snapping it up in a second. Well, there's nothing wrong with um, you know, say writing a, a a script, a film script, or making a film saying it's inspired by you know such and such a film, or you know influenced by such and such a film. And I, I think that's probably the the best way to go with games. You know how they worked back then is not necessarily going to work this way now. But there's nothing to say you can't reimagine it or you know. Uh, tweak it or use a certain a- a aspect of a of an old game because ultimately the genres have stayed the same over the years. They've they've deviated and evolved, but ultimately they've they've kind of stayed the same. It might backfire on you though. Speak to the XCOM fans about that. Um, they they weren't too happy about it being turned into a first person shooter. Sure. Um, I mean that. Yeah, although I really liked Syndicate, and I think that that is, like you say, that is the way to do it, sort of do an inspired by rather than an actual remake, um, because Lurking Lawyer also makes the point, it says he's resisted the temptation to go and download an emulator on PC and revisit them for fear that they would completely shatter the illusion of nostalgia. And there's always a chance that that would happen. Exactly. You know, that's, that's the, the memory of something is, is often better than the actual reality of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I, I think, you know, and Deus Ex is another one as well. Um, a lot of people are saying they'd want a Deus Ex, and then when people point out the fact that, oh, well, that game is essentially Deus Ex, people say, no, it isn't. Um, so wh- when does a remake stop being a remake and become inspired by and, and do people actually want these games remade? I would, I would guess not. And there's a big difference between... Um, remaking something because you believed in it as a as a concept and as a story and as a experience and another thing just banking on it cashing in and on a name exactly yeah and, and people do it you know it happens more often than not that's for sure i i would say syndicate was probably the the, the clearest example of that to me but then you know you've played the game and you think it's decent then then fair dues that's as close as i've come to the game so. definitely but then again i didn't play the original syndicate so i've got nothing holding me back from liking it so. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, the, the original Syndicate was a completely different mechanic and uh, style of gameplay. So, 
that's probably why I feel the way I feel about it. It's, it's kind of the equivalent of like reading the Hunger Games book and then going and watching the film and going, well, that wasn't like the book. Um, and, and you get people get that same thing with games as well. I mean, there are loads of old games in, in these threads that, that people really want to see come back. Um, like I was saying, Road Rash was was mine. Uh, I, I would love to see a new a make a remake of Road Rash. And I think it could actually be done well. I kind of thought Burnout was going there when they, they had the bikes add-in on there. Um, and all, all you need is to be able to kick someone and whip them with a chain or hit them with a baseball bat. It's not hard. It's totally doable. It would look amazing. You, you could probably stretch out the, the mechanics a little bit and have other abilities and have teams. And Lost in the Dam did it a little bit with biker gangs and riding next to it. I, I think it would totally work. Totally work. Road rash with modern physics. Now that would be a game yeah. if they could put in proper damage as well, so that you know fights between riders were dynamic. That would be something certainly worth playing. And in fact, I think the Silver Fox brought up one of our esteemed modding community. Uh, he put forward as a game he'd like to see remade: Soldier of Fortune. As he says, twenty-six individual zones on the body to score some seriously violent damage. I mean, at one point it seemed like that was the way that things were going, was, you know, more intricate ways to show violence. And it, and it seems all of a sudden that with the, the advent of ragdoll physics, that the, you know, bodies that get shot at in FPSs all of a sudden have once again become these bullet sponges that suddenly just crumple after X amount is pumped into them. Who else was in here? I, I always like to get Sega Mega Dave in there, just because I like saying his name. Um, but but he, he suggests Shenmue with the modern day graphics, greatest game of all time. Greatest forklift simulator of all time, yes. Um, and I would love to... Was Shenmue to... actually that good? No. 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 <laughs> it really wasn't. I can't believe anyone, there's anyone in the gaming community who doesn't like Shenmue. You could drive that forklift, you could get into... Well, lots of fights, but quick time events. Let's call them what they were. I'll rush out and buy one. I'll rush out and get one. And it was oh, it was just an absolute classic. You could even get a job, just like in real life. <laughs> It'd be amazing. Owners Half-Life with the Crytek engine, which, why would they do it in the Crytek engine? But I see where you're going with it. Yeah, the, the, a bit of an odd comment. Uh, but it raises an interesting point, um, the point between... Um, uh, remaking a game and reigniting a series. I mean, there's a ton of series I'd like to see um, brought back to life, uh, not necessarily remade. I'd like, I'd love to see Bully Two, for example. I, I'm not, I'm fairly sure there was a rumor that it w was coming back, and the composer that was um, involved in the original game has apparently been hired to do the the sequel. But then that's kind of gone dead for a few years. So. Um, there's loads of kind of games I'd love to see sort of reignited, but not necessarily re remade. I think it's it's kind of hard as well because like Final Fantasy VII is a big one in the thread, but I think they they came out a while back saying, look, we're not going to do it because we can't do it justice. It's almost like that Half-Life Three effect. Like they've left it so long now, the expectations are just monumental, and are they just destined to fail if they even try? That's an interesting point. Do you, do you think? Half-Life 3 is impossible because of those reasons. It's got to come at some point, hasn't it? It has to be. I reckon they're just doing it, scrapping it, redoing it, and it's just kind of this circle of is it? it's not good enough sort of thing. I don't know, I, I, I guess, but... Is there a possibility that they could be working on it and have been all this time and managed to keep it secret all this time? Uh, it's a possibility, but I don't, I don't think they have been working on it. If they are, I think it's only in the last sort of year maybe that they've started working on they it. They need to be working on it if they want to survive. If they don't want their office to be burnt to the ground eventually, <laughs> <laughs> they should probably be working on it, yeah. 
But I mean, they've, they, I mean, they're in a position now where they've they've got a lot of money in the bank. They've got a lot of resources available to them. I mean, they could push out something really, really special if they wanted to, or if they committed to it. And that, of course, comes with a lot of pressure as well. And is that the biggest obstacle that they've got? The the pressure. I'd say so, but I think I think a remake would be a good idea for them. If they remade the original Half Life, like I said, put that out, so a lot of people play Half Life again, get get the uh, you know t- people talking about it, anticipation going again, get the buzz coming back. Then then they could load it up for a new Half Life three, and then come out with that. So because you know there is a fairly strong contingent of of gamers that probably have never played it because they're just of that age where. You know, they kind of missed it, or they passed it, passed them by, or, or just it doesn't appeal to go back to yeah, it. Confession time. I've never finished it. I've, I keep getting like halfway through it, and it just hurts my eyes. I, I just can't do it. And there's, there's, it's got this weird, you know, that thing where you get motion sickness from it. It's yes, got that kind of yeah, weird, yeah. smooth kind of movement. It's to never it. bothered me, but there, there are people I know that swear it's it's a very real thing, and they just can't play it for that very reason. I don't usually get it, but I get it with Half-Life, and, and I just can't do it. So if they remade that in even just the, the new Source engine, so it looks vaguely decent, I would totally go back and play that game. And I think, you know what, I think there'd be a, quite a large community of population of people that have played the, the originals that would probably rebuy it and replay it again in the new remastered format. Mm, definitely. You know, we'd all consider buying a remastered a classic album from the likes of the Rolling Stones or Jimi Hendrix or someone like that. Why wouldn't we do that with video games? Yeah, I, I kind of want them to remake uh, the original Mass Effect in the Mass Effect 2 engine so it doesn't suck and I can go back and play it without pulling my hair out. That'd be great. Yeah, do you think Do you think they've uh, got the inclination or the money to do such a thing? I mean, I think that's, that's too new. You know, that's, <laughs> only came out this generation anyway. Um, but I'm sure if they thought it would make them money, they'd do it. Well, game, you know, gaming's like any business. You know, we're constantly refining what we do and um, and perfecting things and making things more efficient and better. And gaming's no different. And you know, to 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 go back and uh, remake something which was really a part of you know refining things in the bigger picture, it's ne- it's never always going to work. You know, as a standalone thing. Technically, we're seeing the fruits of those labors now in all the current games that are coming out. So. You know, some things are maybe best left to the past. Certainly. Before we go, we have something very exciting to talk about. Uh, For the first time, we're going to be giving away um, some prizes in a little competition for you guys. Uh, This month, we're giving away a podcast goodie bag. Inside is some mystery games and some mystery peripherals. We'll uh, we'll publish the details once the uh, prize winner has received his his package, so to speak. Anyone, or or her, for that matter. Um, <laughs> anyone interested in entering our little competition should check the thread um, where the podcast is hosted. We will post a little question in there, and we will pick the post with the correct answer at random and announce the winner in next month's podcast. <laughs> That brings us to the end of this month's podcast. Uh, massive thanks again for your support, and we always appreciate you guys downloading the pod and uh, spending an hour of your month with us. Um, massive thanks to you, Mark, for joining me. Cheers, Steve. Big thanks to you, Steve. You're welcome. Always a pleasure, Leon. Yep, definitely. And we'll see you all again next month. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Forums podcast is copyright M2N Limited.